You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. 2020 was crazy for everyone, but great for e-commerce businesses, as Ryan, I'm sure you can attest to. I certainly can. And 2021 surprised us all, and it just seemed like it was even crazier. So maybe not as great for many e-com businesses. We've talked a lot about the changes around tracking and email and Facebook and everything. But let's look into the crystal ball right now and see what 2022 has in store for online traffic. Ryan, you've been seeing trends in traffic for over 12 years. What do you think this year has in store for e-commerce businesses and how can they best prepare and succeed on that? So I think this is going to be a fun topic mm-hmm. and I'm agree. excited to see uh, what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I can honestly say uh, I didn't see 2020 coming and I can say that I was probably off on most of my thoughts on 21 coming into it. So uh, as it played out, you, you can't be mad at me if any if what we think is wrong, but at least we're going to look back and, and we have some things to base it off of at least and make educated guesses that hopefully can guide and direct a lot of these people. And so I think when you're, whenever you're looking forward, I think you've got to start by looking backwards at least and see what happened and what you need to change and do. So any business owner or marketing team thinking through 22 and planning Mm -hmm. that, you've got to really see where did we do really well in 21? Where did we fail miserably? And then make the plans based on what you have seen and then try to say, okay, where am I going to experiment? And I think when we're looking at a lot of traffic trends, it's the it's the gambling money almost, as I like to put it, that is the ones that, yeah, yeah, more often than not, you're going to lose. But when you hit, you can hit really big. And I think from a traffic perspective, that's where I think you're going to get a lot of stuff in 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 22. Is mm-hmm. honestly, I think it's going to be the gambling money that's going to pay off for some businesses. I like that. Okay, so then let me ask you this: It it, it probably makes sense to take a a look back really quick, right? Because we can't have 22 without 21. Mm-hmm. So, what was the biggest surprise about 21 besides the fact that you had no idea that this was going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going into 21, it was, we all looked like really smart marketers. Like it just didn't take a lot to succeed in 20 from an e-commerce perspective. So that's the big asterisk here. I focus a lot on e-com. Local businesses obviously struggled mightily. But going into 21, the biggest surprise I thought was the drop in demand. Most of us didn't see that coming. It was kind of like everything was going up and to the right. And this is going to be even better when the economy quote unquote reopens. And so, and it looked exactly like that going into March. I mean, March was across the board bonkers. Mm. Uh, Even my personal brands, everything, Amazon volume was just crazy. And I think we just said, hey, you started buying online. Like, why would you not keep buying online? Like, (laughs) so much easier. Uh, It's less risky, all these things. And we had that kind of perfect storm that just, I mean, nobody could have seen that coming with the iOS. We knew Mm -hmm. iOS change was coming. So that that part wasn't a surprise. But combine that with a massive drop across the board of people actually looking to buy things online was, blew my mind. And I thought that we were just being really bad at marketing until we started looking at the data. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, we are terrible at this. And when people started traveling and going into restaurants and going in for the experiences that have been bottled up because you couldn't do any of these things for an entire year in twenty in twenty twenty, that money was not buying stuff. It was buying and and I and I think we talked about this earlier last year that our family was guilty of that when we traveled for three weeks, mm-hmm. we bought zero things online 
and yeah. spent way more money going out. So if I had looked at my own habits, I probably would have been better at figuring out what was going to happen. But I'm promising to be better in 22, John. <laughs> uh, well, one of that starts with data. And so what, you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest surprise of 22? Um, if we're really looking at, okay, well, 21 was a massive surprise to us. Yeah, we knew iOS updates were coming, but they had way more of an effect than anyone thought. Mm-hmm. And as things opened up in that brief spot between variants that was there when people traveled, now that's kind of clamping back down again. I, I kind of feel like I'm seeing uh, as things, people are getting weary of, of travel again, even as we're recording this right over the holiday season at the end of the year, I'm seeing that numbers are picking back up again after Black Friday, Cyber Monday, during that time, that week, typically you see things just trail off for the rest of the year. I'm seeing that online continues to grow right now in sell. And I think that that's because people are getting locked down again and they're not as, you know, I mean, I went to the mall here in Portland, um, I don't know, about a month ago. And this was before Omnicon was like huge. But still, there were too many people at this mall. I felt very uncomfortable just walking around the mall <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with hordes of people. I was like, "This." Uh, I know I've been cooped up for a couple of years, but like, this doesn't feel right considering that I could probably walk out of here with a virus. And so I'm wondering what you're kind of thinking is going to be the biggest surprise. And hopefully I haven't tainted your view a little bit there. <laughs> Not at all, because I, I did the same thing. My wife wanted a Peloton, and so we went and, and mm-hmm. bought one. Had to go into the mall, which was again, I think the first time I'd been at the mall in I don't know how long. Because yeah. I don't, I didn't like malls before lockdown. Okay, but it felt kind of cool to be like, I'm in a mall, like spending money. This is mm. kind of cool. Maybe I'll get a Starbucks. <laughs> Back to what average 2017 used to be. But I think the biggest surprise for most companies online that are driving traffic through various channels i i think is going to be when cpcs drop because we've been in this environment through 21 where cpcs have just gone up astronomically like it's seemingly without inflation is a thing but cpc inflation was not even talked about but it was terrible Mm. (laughs) uh we had limited inventory on google where there's only so many spots available multiple advertisers trying to compete to make up for lost uh, or missing forecast and, and falling behind 2020 numbers. So mm-hmm. a lot of people thought they were just being bad marketers when in reality, the demand was going way down. And then Amazon jumping back in. Again, all these things we mm-hmm. talked about. I think what we're expecting, a lot of people here at LP are thinking about this way more than I am and, and providing some of the data, but they feel like when we get to Q2, we're going to start seeing CPCs drop. Like we won't have the big, massive year-over-year stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll have people having better forecasts, hopefully. I can't imagine we're going to go back into some sort of lockdown, but I think people will have less desire to travel. Or go- I think it'll be more mm-hmm. of a self-imposed almost. In fact, yeah. I heard that this past week, the UK had a, had a bunch of London restaurants voluntarily decide that they were going to go into lockdown because mm-hmm. they're like, it was too risky for their staff. And so I think the government's probably not going to mandate it. Well, and I'm I'm hearing as well. I mean, there's just a, a speech from President Biden yesterday where he said, without question, we just need to learn to live with this, and we're not going to do a national lockdown mm-hmm. again because we need to learn to live with this and everything that comes with that. And I can understand that perspective, and I think that that is going to be if we're going to have continuing waves like this, then we're definitely going to have continuing waves of e-commerce um, uptick, mm-hmm. and I think. 
you know, it's almost like we can chart it out, right? A new wave gets into the news. Well, e-commerce is going to uptick here in a couple of weeks. Yep. And it's just one of those things that, that I think we'll be able to better predict over time. I hope so, because I like the knowing part and not being surprised. Uh, but mm-hmm. obviously, that's not happened <laughs> for a couple of years. So it'll be a really nice surprise when I'm not surprised. But I think that's going to be a lot of companies are going to be pleasantly surprised by drop in CPCs. Mm. That's obviously going to fluctuate overall and, and has to do with a lot of some massive brands and small brands maybe jumping out when they realize they couldn't you know, survive long-term in a really competitive environment. Mm-hmm. It actually is surprising. I was talking to somebody in the office the other day about how many really awesome ideas are out there and how many business owners I talked to have just phenomenal products, mm. but they have zero sales. And they have no idea how to get with it. Like I talked to one company, like brilliant, multiple scientists create this really cool soil that, I mean, far and away, just some of the best stuff you can get. There's no sales, can't figure it out, don't know how to sell anything. And it's like, that's way more common than I think it should be. But I think a lot of those companies kind of try different things and and there's not a real long-term strategy and a commitment to certain things of this is how you do it. So there's hopefully a lot of them can listen to this podcast and get some ideas on how they can drive and convert traffic. Yeah. Well, I do find it interesting that what we've seen over the pandemic, and, and I've seen this too. I mean, we don't work with really small brands or just brands who are starting up, but we do get a lot of inquiries from them. And they read a lot of our content and follow things like this podcast, et cetera. And so I always find it interesting when, when I get a note that says, hey, we're having a hard time converting anyone on our site. We've we've only had a couple of purchases or we've had no purchases. And I'm finding as I talk to these folks that a lot of them just set up an e-commerce site in COVID and expected sales to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my question usually goes back to, them, well, when you started the brand and you were doing through wholesale or retailers or whatever your other method was, how did you get those sales? And, and it took time, right? And they're like, well, I had to go talk to wholesalers and sell to them. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, and you just put up a website and expected people to show up. Like that's not how this works. It takes work and time and effort, and you got to spend money to make money. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I usually send them your way. So sorry for, for <laughs> creating that zero problem moving forward. But uh, usually, it's like, hey, don't don't give us any money. Like, first of all, you like. I, I can't get you a return. So it doesn't make sense until you start having a lot more traffic. And mm-hmm. second of all, you need to invest in driving traffic before you do anything else. Um, but I do find it interesting. So kind of thinking about that, are there are there new sources of traffic that these companies need to be aware of, whether folks who are newer or folks who have been investing already? I mean, I hope so. I think all of us in the e-commerce world are wanting something new, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it happens or not. Who knows? But I mean, we've for a while we've been riding the Google, Amazon, Facebook mm-hmm. marketing trains, and there's not been a lot of new things come about that have been even close to as successful as those three. Uh, I mean, Bing's always there. So if you're doing Google, I'm making an assumption that you're on Bing, and if you're not, just duplicate your Google account over there because there's easy traffic. <laughs> but I think the biggest desire for traffic is going to be on. TikTok. That's the biggest, buzziest thing right now. There's a ton of users on it. Most companies are wanting TikTok to work. Wanting it to work for traffic and it actually working are very different things. And that's where I think a lot of brands are going to waste a lot of money trying mm-hmm. to trying to make it work. Um, I think they'll have bad expectations and I think they'll have bad execution and lots of details there. 
But I, I think that TikTok has some really good potential, but it, it does come with some asterisks on well, how easy is it to duplicate the experience. Mm-hmm. I think Snapchat figured that out the hard way. Uh, like Instagram could easily steal all of your cool yep. things and nobody has to leave Instagram for the same yeah. things. I mean, I see, I don't have a TikTok account. Maybe that's surprising to you. Hopefully not. I don't either. But, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the time. Right. I was thinking that I don't have time to go down that rabbit hole and, and sit there for 30 minutes swiping through these. But the the more of the reality is that I see, I am on Instagram and I'd say half or more of the stories that reach me on Instagram are things posted from TikTok. And you can tell because it has the TikTok logo mm-hmm. still in the video. Yeah. And you're like, so, I mean, Instagram effectively is stealing that traffic. People are putting it both places, which is a great content strategy. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and as we've seen evolution of social channels, generally it's adopted by younger and then it moves to older. And so that's why I no longer go on Facebook because it's all my mom and her friends. And mm-hmm. we know that. And I, I'm assuming my kids will never even be on Instagram. And I think the advertisers follow the dollars of, of where buyers are. Yep. And so there's certain products that you're going to be advertising on Facebook because it's an older demographic. Uh, when you have the, the millennials and the, and the X's, you're going to generally be on Instagram. And then if you wanted to target younger kids, it's probably the TikToks at this mm-hmm. exact moment. And if TikTok gets really cool or I have to watch my kids, I'll probably go down and get one. But it, it's, it's understanding your market fit. You're not going to mm-hmm. probably put arthritis cream on TikTok and find success, even though there's people there. Mm-hmm. TikTok, and it's primarily, and the, the change I'm seeing, this is probably an important one as you're starting to market on these channels, is Facebook and Instagram were more, they were more designed for connecting with people and like keeping up with people you didn't see as often, or like college buddies that I, you know, can't mm-hmm. see face to face. TikTok seems way more geared towards entertainment. Oh, yeah. Less about like, oh, keep up with your friends. It's like, I'm going to see cool stuff. But for me, that's what Instagram is now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't use it to compare. I don't. I don't need to post pictures of my kids or what. I, you know what I had for lunch. It's not important to me and or the people that I probably contact with. I'm actually using, funny enough, text chains and iMessage more often than not mm-hmm. as I would have used to use like a social media platform. Right. Like I go golf with a bunch of guys every year, and every year we keep a text chain going called the Golf Idiots. Yeah. And that's how we communicate. None of us go and post on Instagram, but with like. Yeah. It's, I have the same thing with the basketball teams I play on, the family. Like it's, you know, and then you pin them. I have so many that are pinned to the top or all the ones who, you know, groups of friends, college friends, things of that sort. I'm hardly ever on Facebook. Like very rarely. Mm-hmm. I, I intentionally try to stay off of there unless I need to be part of a group on there or something. Um, yeah. So I took I'm I took the app off too. so I don't get notifications. Yeah. Because it yep. just distracted me. Uh, but so Instagram is generally me scrolling for entertainment. You know, like, mm-hmm. hey, it's I'm winding down my day. When I turn my brain off, let's go laugh at a couple, you know, things I follow and get myself in a good mood before I sleep. <laughs> so it's product fitment, understanding what the people are doing there. You're not going to sell a really complex CNC machine on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you want to sell a, you know, $30 USB blender, great, great people to be in front of. But you also have to commit to the platform too and understand that it's not going to work right away. I don't mm-hmm. care who lightning will strike occasionally. But if you plan for that, you're going to be disappointed 99.999% of the time. You plan for it. I'm going to commit to TikTok for a year. We're mm-hmm. going to put content out, knowing it's not going to give us a return for a while. Test different ad formats. Um, so I, I would say TikTok is is going to get some investment dollars and, and a decent amount of traffic this year. Yeah. Does it work really well for brands? Remains to be seen. I would say there's no 
scenario I'm seeing in which TikTok supplants Instagram or Facebook for brands. Our most successful brands that we manage that we've seen on TikTok, it's three to 4% of their social revenue on mm. the, in analytics. And that's for a really, I mean, that's a big brand that I'm thinking yeah. of right now where they're doing two and a half, three million just from their social channel on analytics. And it's a, an over a hundred million dollar brand, but that's a really solid one mm-hmm. where they're getting three, four percent of their overall red social revenue right. from TikTok. So temper expectations. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. On TikTok, and at least the TikToks I see on Instagram, it seems like it's entertainment, but it's less ads and more influencers who you know, are doing the, the pitching. The the famous one that I, everyone makes fun of is almost should be a meme. If it's not, probably, well, probably is, is like, <laughs> everyone asked me about my morning routine. So here's everything I do and here's the makeup I use and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no one asked you. Yeah. But well, somebody paid you to say this. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, you know, want to sound like you're popular. So you're like, everyone is asking. So I thought I'd do a video on it. You're like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you feel like, influencers are going to be a big bet. I, I kind of feel like they are, but I don't know. I mean, it seems like an easy way to get out there some social proof and when done correctly um, can can mm-hmm. really kind of make the ads less of an ad, if you will. Yes. Uh, I mean, all, yes to all of that. I mean, I be, in, influencers are, are awesome, but <laughs> they're mm-hmm. very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, we can all pick up the phone and call Kim Kardashian and be like, Hey, can you just give me a cool little shout out on all your channels? And then instantly I'm a millionaire. I mean, Even, if you had enough money, you probably could. Yeah. But it might cost me a million to make a million. I mean, who knows? I, I don't have a million cash laying around to, to give Kim Kardashian to calling out, but even brands that had her, we've worked with a lot of brands that launched alongside her and a lot of her mm-hmm. friends and, and a lot of those specifically beauty brands got the call out. And you ride this way, but then you have to follow it up to actually keep selling that product, have a legit product. There's a lot of things that go with influencers that are not just get the influencer to call you out. Mm. And I've struggled with this personally on on Joyful Dirt and how we get influencers that work. And I've made a lot of mistakes, wasted a lot of money, paid for some great content, but it didn't scale well, even when we advertised it. So it's difficult. Mm. Um, But I think all brands should be trying to figure out how they leverage influencers. I mean, it's basically you're, you're sponsoring people and you're sponsoring. It's like, it's how does the average person like act like Nike almost? Like, how do I get my shoes or whatever on all these people that have influences over small people, uh, groups of people? You just kind of do it like name most brands can do is like the micro influencer. Like you've got some followers, but you're not Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Well, this is where the new name and likeness for college athletes comes in. Mm-hmm. And I have a good friend who runs CrossNet, which is Foursquare meets volleyball, for lack of yeah. a better term. And they did a whole campaign where they had hundreds of college athletes 
uh, enrolled in this and they got sent a free cross net and ball and, and some swag in exchange for them doing pieces of social content and almost in that influencer status. And then they got to use all that content elsewhere. So then they were able to add onto their site some of the best videos that were made and things of that sort. And they've been very public about it, but they dialed it way back because the quality of assets they were getting wasn't that great. And the quantity, well, only like half the people would meet their requirements um, mm-hmm. after because they'd already been given the goods. And so they were kind of like, you know, didn't have as much incentive. And so now they're really focused on the quality over the quantity. And so I, I find that interesting because one of the things that you have in the notes here is is influencing at scale. Mm-hmm. And so do you mean that massive amount of influencers or more on the side of doing a, a you know a lot of content via few? I'm not as worried about volume of content in the, in a way I look at it. What you're trying to figure out generally through trial and error is what type of influencer fits your brand. What kind of what do they have to post to get the right interaction to get the right people to come to the site and take action? Which is for all of you probably should be buying. It's not just having the right followers. It's having followers that are following them for the specific reason that you can solve. Mm-hmm. Like for example, we found out with Joyful Dirt if we find an influencer that has a great looking home with good house plants, great for pictures and content, terrible for people taking action. They're not there for the for the plant or the plant food mm-hmm. that made the plant better. They're there for the architectural beauty or yeah. viewing of that house remodel, whatever. But if somebody's following an influencer because they're trying to go through this process of being healthier and plants and eating plants is part of that, mm-hmm. really successful. And I wouldn't have known that until I went out there with money and, and put it on the line <laughs> and, <laughs> and made the mistakes. Uh, and I think a lot of brands are going to go through that. Uh, but there's this really cool part of influencer marketing that's not necessarily as easy to execute at this exact moment for all brands, but it's this thing, uh, you may have heard of it called dark posting. Mm, yeah. It sounds dirty. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think we need to change the name somehow because it's not, not dirty, what it sounds like like. like. like Ryan has an OnlyFans or like yeah, dirty. <laughs> no, it's like black hat SEO or something. It's like, Ooh, don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But dark posting basically means that the influencer puts some content up for, because of the brand. The mm-hmm. brand gives them product to post about it, like this cross net would be great. Influencer puts it up. Well, the brand can link into that advertiser's account and pay to boost it. Mm. Because we know that people, you could post it, you could be really famous and post something, but only a small fraction of your followers find that post. Yep. And if people aren't interacting with it normally, because it's like, yeah, it's a good picture, but I don't know what this you know, cross net thing is, being able to boost that will allow more people to see it and make that content probably more successful. And it, it's a way to link up behind the scenes. There's all these API accesses, mm-hmm. but it, it's a much more effective way, I think, for brands to be advertising mm-hmm. than on their own Instagram. For example, uh, we've got a client that is spending seven figures monthly advertising on Facebook and Instagram successfully. But obviously, last year, they saw the return drop from what it or 21. So this is 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 21, they saw the return drop from what it was in 20, which a lot of people saw because of iOS and just general changes in the market. But they also started spending six figures a month on dark posting influencers because they have a Mm. massive amount of influencers that they're leveraging for various things all over. The dark posts are by far the best performing social ad they have. And so we're looking at a large sample of data and 
it is, I believe that more and more brands are going to be moving that direction. It is interesting how people look at dark posts because it's basically I'm boosting content to get in front of the followers. Right. But you're basically advertising as the as the influencer. So the brand's not necessarily seeing it. Some that's why it's called dark posting. Yeah. But there's probably going to be some, you'll see some changes in how those appear probably mm. on social media. I think there's a big push I've seen around understanding what's an ad. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of legal stuff happening around that right now, right? So if you're mm-hmm. an influencer and you post something, it has to be very, very clear. And the last recommendations that I've seen are that you have to have it in baked into the image and in the content. So mm-hmm. you need to have like, you know, use the overlay text that says add something of that sort, a sponsored post. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great lawyer that I saw speak that does nothing but social speaking of Instagram. I follow him on Instagram. So let me see if I can find this. Yep. Robert Freud Law, F-R-E-U-N-D, Robert Freund. And he has some really great posts all about the legalities of what you're doing with online advertising. And he represents brands who get sued by different things like the government for posting, you know, when influencers post and don't market as an ad. And he was talking about a case that he was following. I don't know if it was his case or something else, but where the government came after this this high profile influencer because they would post on TikTok and it would have in the description that it was an ad. But then when it got cross-posted to Instagram, the description didn't go with it. And so (laughs) it was no longer ad. And so they would get in trouble for posting it on Instagram and it not being clear that it was paid. So there's a lot of stuff like that happening now that I think will definitely change the landscape as well. Yeah. It's much more powerful to get in front of people that are followers already of an influencer Mm -hmm. rather than jumping in as a brand because you follow this influencer. And so I think that, you know, again, the advertising dollars will find a way to make this work from a legal perspective. And I think the platforms have to figure it out as well because they need that, that revenue coming in. And I think that's where TikTok can easily make some inroads is to make it easy to connect big advertiser dollars to influencer TikToks so that even if a brand isn't as active on TikTok, which a lot of them are not going to be able to jump in and create all this video content, mm-hmm. they can have a link to the website off of TikTok coming through an influencer. So it's a much easier way to jump into TikTok because yeah. I can't go, I mean, I could, but you go create a real simple TikTok for your brand and then start advertising. Yeah, That's just not going to be great for most people. They're going to go to the TikTok, oh, you have five followers you started last week. Am I going to go spend 50 bucks on your website? Yeah, probably not. Right. So again, I think dark post is going to be a great, great thing in 22. I think it's going to take off big and it's probably going to force a lot of these legal issues to be taken care of quicker, hopefully. And But the problem is going to be scaling the... In, you can't just dark post when you have no influencers. In fact, a few of our clients I talked to about this says, hey, this would be really powerful for you. And like, great, let's do it. I'm like, well, where's your influencers? Mm. Like, what do you mean? I just want to, I want to, I want a dark post. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, It's not that easy. Uh, You're going to have to build the relationships with influencers first, you know, and there's a lot of platforms that can help that. You can get influencers that are based on a, Mm -hmm. you know, like an affiliate model, which can can work and be a good way to start. Uh, But even just finding and doing the grunt work, I think is what a lot of brands are going to get stuck on is saying, let's go find some influencers, pay to get some content created and then test some dark posting. Yep. There are agencies that'll help define influencers. Logical position is not one of them, uh, but we will help <laughs> with some of the dark posting, which can mm-hmm. be powerful. So it's just not a, it's not easy. I'll say that. But yeah. if you go through the work, I think the upside 
on having a solid network of influencers for your brand is going to allow you to play much longer in the social game because it'll cross over platforms. Mm -hmm. Because if you got a million followers on Instagram, it's very easy to go get half a million on TikTok by saying, hey, I'm posting unique content here if you really like me. Um, and that that influencer will continue to have more and more influence. I think it's gonna be the, the influencer realm of the rich get richer, kind of like we've talked about on Google, the first party data, you have mm -hmm. that, stay with it. Influencers that are committed to being an influencer as a career, have some massive upside, I think, uh, no. coming in 22. So where's traffic and what's it going to look like in 2022? Well, I think we, we covered a lot today, Ryan. From what I can re recall and remember right now, never been known for my short-term memory, but you're thinking that there's going to be a lot of shift in demand that hopefully TikTok and Pinterest, et cetera, kind of figure this out over this year. But you do think CPCs will drop in Google, which is great. I think that's going to be a lifesaver for a lot of brands, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And then influencers are kind of the path forward to some degree, along with dark posting. I had never heard of that, but it definitely makes sense. And that's something new that I learned today, which is always yeah. fun. Maybe so. we can change the name to like ad posting. Well, <laughs> or, <laughs> or yeah, I don't know what you would call that, but I'm, I'm with you. It sounds dirty, but it's not. And yeah. so I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a whole nother level of sponsorship to some degree, right? All right, Ryan. Well, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. And thank you, John. Uh, always learn some new stuff, as I mentioned. So have a wonderful afternoon. You too, John. Bye. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.